Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. Thank you for uh, checking it out. Get it on iTunes. Get it on Stitcher, on app on your phone. And, of course, go to pulphockey.com. You can get it that way, too. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. It's been fun so far, and hopefully we'll keep trying to bring you guys uh, some interesting people on this podcast each week. This week up, it's uh, it's a guy who wrote one of my favorite books, came out in 2012. Um, he's uh, bounced around the league, 260 games, a lot of different organizations. You've got to read this book. I know it's old, but you got to read it anyways. It's called Journeyman, and it's by Sean Pronger. Sean, hey, thanks for coming on the show, man. Thanks for having me, man. Dude, the book was good. It was funny. <laughs> I know it. Like, we'll, we'll probably sell three to four copies just from this podcast, so you can maybe retire. But um, yeah, you know what? I'm banking on it. I'm banking on it. <laughs> it was great. Uh, it was just one of those laugh out loud books, man. Um, you know what? I guess what gave you the inspiration to do it and uh, and talk about putting it together first of all. Yeah, well, it kind of happened really innocently. Um, it started off. I guess, I mean, I, I, we have time, so I was going. Yeah, we have time. So, yeah. yeah, this all started in, I want to say it was 2008, and my brother, who you've probably heard of, uh, yeah. Stronger, yeah. he started a website, and it was more to kind of communicate with his fans, and um, he asked me, you know, you know, he can only put it in so much, and he's kind of limited in what he can say, because he's kind of, you know, under yeah. contract, and he, right. you know, he can't say exactly what he wants to say. So he's asking his friends in the media uh, to kind of contribute, whether it's, you know, blog, articles, whatever. Mm-hmm. And so he, those guys were contributing. And then he asked me to write something. And I'm like, dude, I absolutely not. I, I don't have anything to say. And if I did, I wouldn't even know how to write it down. I, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm a math guy and an English guy. And so I'm like, yeah, no, thanks. So he kept bugging me for about six months. Mm-hmm. And then he wrote, he wrote a blog about... Basically, it was uh, training, it was coming up on training camp, and he wrote a blog like, you know, can't wait to get back to camp, see the boys, get a little sweat, dinners, <laughs> right. golf, and I'm like, that is so not my experience in training camp. Like that's that's the superstar <laughs> training camp. My training camp is you know your day to day for like a month and a half. You yeah, know? you're just hoping to get. Uh, per diem for, for for four days as opposed to two days, yeah. and you know, every time you could walk in the rink, you just want your jersey to be hanging in your stall. So that was my experience. So I kind of wrote what it was like to be on the other side of the coin, yeah. and posted it on his site, and we got great feedback from people that read it. They're like, you know, I never knew this kind of stuff. You, you know, I'm like, well, yeah. I got a lot of more of this. So I, I wrote probably five or six blogs um, on his. Uh, on his site, mm-hmm. and just got kind of people never heard never heard of this guy. So, I mean, you guys that played understood it, but people that are just regular fans, they don't know kind of the struggles that goes on behind the scenes. They just see a guy gets called up, yeah, and he shows up, and there he is. So I'm like, okay, so this is um, this, there's something here. You know, I got flown to Toronto, did off the record with uh, Michael Landsberg, mm-hmm. up, so and so I was like, okay, people, there's there's a uh, there's an audience here, and then I stopped posting, but I kept writing like i had my real job i was doing so i had to focus on that at the time but i kept kind of writing out i wrote my first year pro uh you know just a raw blog okay format, you know grammar whatever and uh you know i just kind of had it for myself and then i was at the olympics with uh well i wasn't at the, i was attending the olympics. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately i didn't make the team that year you were last <laughs> cut you were the last cut right uh, yeah, yeah exactly as the story goes yeah. and uh so anyway i was uh staying with Dan Murphy, who you've had on the show, and um, I let him read what I had written down. Mm-hmm. You know, him and his wife thought it was funny. And then it just so happened that he met a agent later that year, and uh, the agent, a book agent, sorry, yep. and the book agent's like always, always looking for new ideas for books. Mm-hmm. And so Murph thought of me, so he put us in contact. I sent him the blogs that I posted for my brother's site, as well as my unpublished first-year pro blog, 
And the guy's like, I think you got something here. I think you and Dan should work together. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how it all started. So that's, that was what, I mean, it was sort of off as kind of a joke for me and Murph. Like, let's just see if we could actually pull this off. He, I mean, he <laughs> has more of a writing background than I have. Yeah. But I'm like, so I would, I would write it and then he would get it, kind of tweak it, add more stuff, ask me questions. And we kind of go back and forth that way. So it was a really good process. But yeah. the whole time we were like, is this really going to happen? And, you know, <laughs> you know, we get it, uh, the format out there. Where you, you get it. I, I, for some reason, thought you had to have the whole book done to get a book deal. <laughs> and, and the agent's like, no, dude, you just need a chapter and an outline. I'm like, yeah, yeah. All right, so cool. we put that together, sent it out, and we had, like, two offers. Oh, wow. First, you know, like, yeah, I yeah. mean, there's legitimate writers that never get their book published. No. I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah. I've, I've bumbled into this, and, I, you know, I've got, you know, me and Rick got a book published. So it, you know, I, I, interview, I interview these dirt bike racers all the time, and I sometimes, you know, do things like, hey, tell me a story about this race. But I have to transcribe it. You know, I interview them. I'm impressed that you actually did the typing yourself, and Dan didn't have to just transcribe it. Like you actually did. Yeah. The, well, I mean, yeah. yeah so I, we had a really good system. And again, I, I'm not Mr. Comma colon right, and right. all that stuff. Yeah. So, but I got the meat of it down where it, got, you know, basically got out of my head on a paper. Yeah. And we got a good rhythm going where you know, because he works for the Canucks, so he's on these six-hour flights east. So he'd say, okay. I got a flight in five days. I'm flying for six hours. So you need to get me, or, you know, whatever chapter mm-hmm. we're working on, you need to get me chapter five yep. by Thursday night. I get on the flight Friday morning. So that gave me a deadline, and then I crank it out, sent it to him. He has the flight, goes over it, and then he would add, subtract, delete, or right. more color on it. And so then he would send it back, and then we'd go that way. And we had a few kinks along the way. We tried to use, uh, was it, we were using Google Docs. And I don't know, I hit a button and deleted, like, an entire chapter. And I was like, come on. You're dude. like, oh, shit. So we, uh, we just stuck with Word, Microsoft Word. Yeah, no. And, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. That's good. Uh, I was talking to Jam- I did one of these with Jamie McLennan. I was talking to him about his book, and I said, you know, how much did not make the book? And he said, oh, there were some stories. And he also talked about how he had to clear some things with different buddies of his to make the book. But I get a sense that you didn't really clear too many things with guys. Like, it's pretty out there. Some things are pretty honest and pretty pretty out there so yeah well that's it. like i didn't want to like throw anybody under the bus like no. i didn't want to have that book where i was nervous about meeting people but i also didn't want to hold that like yeah, yeah. i didn't want to have it out there and go ah, i should have what would have i kind of you know most of <laughs> most of it was like i was opening the kimono to like show myself like not, yeah, yeah it wasn't like yeah. i was saying this guy and that guy but you know certain people i just felt well, you know, like for the, if I run into him, I could look him in the eye and say, "Dude, it's the truth." I mean, yeah, you and y- you and Yager might not be getting beers, and Fedor Fedorov right. might not and, be getting and beers. That's okay, and that's all right. And, and Yager, that was that. I mean, that was literally sixty. I mean, the guy's still playing, so he, yeah. to him, it never even like that was a, such a blip on his radar <laughs> right, right. that it wasn't even like we played together. Like, right. For me, it was a big deal because it's Yager Yager, but for him, it's like. Yeah, I didn't even know we played together. You know, it was so short. Yeah, he's probably like, yeah, Chris. I never played. I never played with Chris right, Ponger. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Um, no, it's it's great. It's good stuff. I, I people check it out. Like I said, it's a, it, it's a few years old, but it doesn't really matter. It's still current, you know, and you still get an idea of what people are going through. Uh, did you make any money off of it? How did how, how did did it sell uh, well? Yeah. So the, you know, we got a. Uh, I'm retired now on my book sales. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, uh, we did make a little bit. Like you know, obviously, we weren't banking on this. Too, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, we weren't going to be able to retire and go live on a yacht with it. But um, <laughs> I actually was quite surprised at how little authors get paid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know what I like. Again, maybe small town, just naivety. Uh, like you barely make anything. Like honestly, and, yeah, you know, yeah. well, at least with your first book, right? I mean, yeah. if I were to come out with another one, it may be a little bit better. But I mean, it yeah. is just. If you um pennies. yeah, if you add up the hours, right, the hourly rate wouldn't be it wouldn't right. be great. <laughs> right, totally, and that's why I guess there's very few people that actually just well, do that for a living. They have other things they do. Do another one. Have you thought about doing gig in the media? I, I have. Media? I, I, mean, I would love to. Yeah. It, I really enjoy it. Like I, I, I think I figured out at least with this one, writing was. Mm-hmm. You know, I needed to, I needed to do it every day. Like um, I figured it was like an hour to an hour and a half a day. I had sometimes I went more, um, but. Yep. Just to get something down on paper every day so that the next day when you come in, you have something you're working off of. You know, like you're not going to mm-hmm. hit a home run every time you sit down, but something needs to get put on paper. Mm-hmm. So I kind of, and for, and for whatever reason, Kid Rock music was the best for me to write, write to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe one or two glasses of like 
uh, wine or whiskey for some reason. <laughs> worked the, out three, nice. the third glass of either led to a fourth, fifth, sixth, and then the writing just kind of went <laughs> completely down. It wasn't, wasn't good. <laughs> um, right, right, exactly. No, nah, it's, it's good. Yeah, I urge people to check to pick it up. Uh, seven NHL teams uh, through a long career, even a stint in Germany that you talk about in there that's just hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think my, my favorite part my favorite part might be the fact that um, you were playing in uh, Knoxville and you loved it, and then you wanted to go to Greens. Then you got sent down. You wanted to leave the Gulls. I the the Ducks farm team is the Gulls, and you wanted to go to back to Knoxville in the ECHL, but they sent you to Greensboro, and you're like, what? I can't just go back to Knoxville. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, I mean, that was my uh, first year pro. Yeah. You know, it was that year of the lockout, and, you know, I tried out for an IHL team, Las Vegas Thunder, and, you know, m- once the lockout hit, you know, five NHLers came down to yeah. the, the International Hockey League, so I lost my spot. But they didn't cut me right away. I, and I'm literally just waiting to get cut. And I, I keep coming to the rink. Nope. I keep coming to the rink. Still not cut. So they didn't cut me until like the beginning of October. All the other camps are done. I got nowhere to go. But uh, fortunately, uh, the Thunder had an affiliation with uh, Knoxville mm-hmm. so that at least the coach from Knoxville in the East Coast League saw me, so they signed me to a contract. Yeah. So I went there, got to know the I mean, the guys were awesome. Yeah, you, good you liked it. It was great. You liked it? Was, it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was playing hockey. I didn't know any better. I'm living in a farmhouse, <laughs> getting 500 bucks a week. I'm eating for free at this country buffet. Life was pretty simple and easy. <laughs> Paying no rent for this crappy farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. And then uh, the lockout ended, and I thought, you know, that I had got stuff to a contract. So I thought, okay, this is great. I signed it. The farm team's in San Diego. All right, let's, I'm going to San Diego. Get there. I'm there for two months. I play eight games, barely play. And I talked to my agent, and he's like, you know, Sean, if you want to, you know, make your mark, you need to be playing, whether it's at the, you know, East Coast League or not. Yeah. I think you need to go back to the East Coast League. I'm like, well, fine. If you think that's what's best, I want to play. Right. Um, let's do it. And I just thought, well, I'll just go back to Knoxville. Yeah. And then, so then, then the uh, call comes, all right, uh, your flight to Greensboro is uh, at, you know, 8 in the morning. I'm like, I don't think Knoxville's playing Greensboro. Why am I going to Greensboro? Yeah. Well, that's where you're going to play. I'm like, yeah. why can't I go to Knoxville? It's like, well, because the Anaheim has an affiliate in the East Coast League in Greensboro. I'm like, oh, for God's sake, this would have been helpful, you know, yesterday when I made right. the decision to leave. Right. Uh, You're like, I want to go to Knoxville. I enjoy, I like Knoxville. Right. <laughs> How many people say that? I know, right? I really want to go to Knoxville to play. Dude, and then at some point you're playing against Rod Langway, which I was like, yeah. what? Rod Langway? Uh, seriously, did that, I mean, I, I know, I completely forgot about that. That was... Did he have a I'm helmet like, on? What? Are, no. No. Like, no helmet. No, no. I think he had a Jofa now that I think of it. Okay. I, I, might have, I saw him in warm-up, but he didn't have the helmet, but I think he had like a Jofa. Um, <laughs> of course, right? If you're going if you, yeah. yeah, if you, if you, to, if you still don't want to wear a helmet, but you're forced to, you put one of those Jofas on. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Third round draft pick by the Vancouver Canucks, Sean Pronger on the uh, Pulp Hockey Podcast. Uh, two Under is a sponsor of ours. And, uh, and Sean, as weird as it gets for two guys to talk about underwear, two unders are good. The number two UNDR. Yeah. They're awesome. Yes, they are. Uh, I got my shipment, I think it was a month ago or yeah, a month and a half yeah. ago. And uh, very impressed. Very impressed huh. product. I, lo- I love the name. Um, but, yeah, awesome, awesome stuff. Uh, Ferraro 20 code saves you 20%. That's when I was doing these with Ray Ferraro before Ferraro had to bail. So, But we still kept the discount code. <laughs> So before he big time uh, <laughs> well, before TSN said, "Hey, uh, beat it," um, <laughs> and that's another story that's hilarious. And I asked Ray about it. You get traded to the Kings. Rob Blake is there. You played with him at Bowling Green, so you knew him. All of a sudden, you're the new guy, but you get thrown into this players only meeting because shit is going sideways with the team. And you're like, I, "I don't even know anything about this. I just got here. I just want to play." And and everyone had to write down a name or so, write down something that was bogging them in an anonymous meeting. And Ray writes down Steve Duchesne is the problem, and someone yeah. and it says Ray Ferraro, and then so Blake or somebody reads it out loud. <laughs> I know I that was uh, Dude. that was a time of my career, man. I'm, oh my god, I just I, I remember vividly sitting in like we were in like the training room, uh-huh. and I'm, like we're all sitting there, and I'm like I barely even know these guys. Yeah, names. I just got here like right. less than a week ago, and now I gotta figure out. I try to solve what's wrong with the team. 
I'm like, maybe because we're having these stupid meetings, maybe that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. So, yeah. Um, and then, uh, and so then somehow, yeah, was 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 it Blake who read it out? Was he not supposed to say Ray's name, or was Ray not supposed well, to put know, his name on there? Well, you had to do, I, I don't know, they probably just, you know, they're reading all these things, and they don't even know, I think they get the paper, look at they don't even read it before, they just read it as they're getting it. Okay. So you probably didn't even realize, they just read, like, yeah, Susie Shane is a problem, Ray Ferraro. Oh, so, so Ray, Ray said, uh, yeah, that didn't go so well, but he was shipped out two days later. That's what Ray Yeah, no, he, and then he won a Stanley Cup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I love that. That made me laugh out loud. Okay, it's totally anonymous, and then somebody just reads out Ray's name. Yeah. <laughs> um, Oh, it's good. So, hey, you're uh, for, obviously uh, I lived in SoCal for about ten years. So, um, I guess I was going to ask you why are you in SoCal? Besides the obvious answer that it's Southern California, how did you end up there once you quit playing? Um, you know, it was funny. Uh, we went. So, I played a year in Germany. When in the, we had my wife and I, kids. Well, they, they were six months and two, so they mm-hmm. had much to say. But my wife and I thought. It'd be how it'd be great to go to Europe, uh, you know, at the end of our career, and just you know play three or four or five years, right? Kind of see the see the world, and that, that was our intention was to do it for right. at least three years, maybe five, who knows? Uh, you know, so we had an offer to go to Germany, and we get there, and I think it was just the wrong timing for everybody because it was just an absolute train wreck uh, from the second we landed until the second we left, and uh, but during that time. We, we rented a place in uh, Newport Beach. It's called Babel Island. Friends of ours, yeah. Eddie Drury, was doing that. He, so I played with him in Anaheim, and he was now playing in Germany. So he'd play in Germany and then come back and live in California in the summer. He'd work out, just kind of, you know, it's right. easy life. So I'm like, that sounds pretty fun to me. And that's a, ni- um, that's a nice that. part of Newport down there. That's really yeah, nice. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. And uh, so I'm like, well, let's do that. So we decided to rent a place uh, for the months of May and June because the previous May – May, I lived in Dryden, Ontario in the summer times I lived there, which is beautiful when right. the weather's right. You know, if you like you know, the outdoors, like fishing and, you know, water stuff, it's awesome. But I remember it was May 15th, and I looked out my window, and there was a coating of snow on the ground. Oh, and I am like, never again will I ever come here this early in this well, It was late in the spring, whatever, yeah. when this is possible. So that's when, okay, we're going to California. So we're in Germany. Terrible year. We get we go to California, and then I just spent I spent like literally two months scheming away to stay in California. I'm like, how, cause, you know, yeah, Canadian yeah. Yeah. didn't have you know immigration status and all that stuff. So first of all, I had to figure out how to get a job. Could I get a job? So what I was doing was like doing this career counseling and working out. So I was trying to you know hedge my bets. Like, okay, I'm, right, right. I'm working towards figuring out what I want to do and I'm done playing, but I'm also trying to stay in shape. And then. Um, Went back to Dryden after the two months in California. You know, loved it. We met all these people. Right. It was just a great. It was going to be. It would be a great setup if we could just figure out a way to get there. And then <laughs> um, I drove back to Dryden. You know, three day drive. Straight. Yeah. My yeah. kids flew home, and I get there on a Sunday night. And Monday morning, I, uh, my brother had a pretty sweet setup. You know, we, we both had houses on the lake. Obviously, his was a lot bigger than mine. He <laughs> right. had a weight room right there. He's got a, heli- so he's I, got a helicopter Monday, pad on yeah. it, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, I had a uh, – so I would go to his gym and work out. So mm-hmm. I'd go to the gym, and for whatever reason, it's just a three-day drive. Like, an yeah. idiot, I get the squat rack. And so I tweak my back, surprise, surprise, <laughs> in the squat rack. Yeah. So I take a week off, and then – you know, the following Monday, I go in and I warm up, and I'm gonna—I'm uh, not doing squats. I'm gonna do light plyos, and I'm doing these one-legged, whatever they were, and he pulled my hamstring. And I'm like, this is a sign. Yeah. I, and so is... I, I limped back home, got an ice pack, went up on my on my bed upstairs, and yelled down to my wife, "That's it, we're done." And that was it. <laughs> I was done playing. And then I just figured out a way to get to California. Like we, uh, so we ended up in California in. Uh, I think it was the end of October, beginning of November of '05. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, ten years. It's beautiful down there for sure. What do you do? Uh, what do you do for a living now? Are you able to to not do much or? No, 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 no. dude, you saw me play. <laughs> <laughs> I actually did see you a few games of the Moose. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I, uh, I, I unfortunately, 
I think it was more my lack of skills and my money management skills that caused me to not be able to retire. But I think, uh, <laughs> but anyway, so I work, I work in financial services. Oh, cool. I, uh, I'm, in, I'm in sales and finance. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's got to be a little bit of a switch for you to do that. I mean, you've been doing it a while now. You've been retired for a while. But it's, uh, yeah, it's got to be a little bit of a, well, on some hand, some guys struggle a lot. So to wake up every yeah, morning and go, go to work, it's got to be, you know, different. Well, it, you know what? It's, uh. I think how my career went kind of prepared me for just kind of being out of the game mm-hmm. because, you know, things went sideways so often that I, I thought about it a lot. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Um, but it is scary when you're actually done and now you got to figure out, like, I did, I did it completely the wrong way. Like, you should know what you want to do before you get out. Mm-hmm. And that's why I try to tell guys, like, you know, try to get doing something like a couple of years before so you can figure out sure, yeah. you know, whether it's building a network of people or buy a Quiznos, whatever it is. something. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Something. To figure, and so you can kind of hit the ground running. I like quit and then was like, okay, now what? Now what? And yeah. So that, that, it was a struggle for uh, you know, about a year and a bit to kind of figure out what I was going to do or wanted to do. Um, these, um, but yeah, the, the transition's tough. These, these millionaire uh, dirt bike racers I deal with, um, there's not as many as in hockey, but they do have them. Uh, these millionaire guys sort of have people that kind of hang around them. They don't really do much. They they seem like basically they're just like man friends. They hang out. Maybe you could could you ever think of just hanging out with Chris and maybe handling his media thing stuff? Well, you... it's tough. I mean, you can only I mean you can only do that for so long. I know. I yeah. Where uh, you know it's like okay, you got to support me and my entire family by just <laughs> right. going around. So it's not like a good plan if you got a family. But however, yeah, uh, we I refer to those guys more like driftwood. Driftwood. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, Kind of floating around. Um, hey, they're out there yeah, though, right? Uh, like, like oh, totally. Well, it's in a lot of sports. Like basketball, yeah. we got a lot of guys floating around, and it's you know it's great when you're making money, but as soon as you stop making money and you still got to pay your posse, that's I when, know uh, you kind of burn through a lot. Dude, there's guys that hang out with these riders. They don't have jobs and they have no skills, and I'm like, what do they do? And I think they just tell that they go to like the Chipotle with these guys. They ride the ride the road bike with these guys. I don't really know. I can't figure it out. But they they make a living. They get paid full time jobs. So it's it's, it's nuts, you know. Um, how much do you play now? Do you do you do you play much at all? Do you, do you have a bunch of old ex duck players running around somewhere? You know, uh, sadly, I don't play that often. I play a couple. Probably three or four times a year in like charity games, mm-hmm. and every time I get on the ice, feels like the first time I've ever been on the ice. <laughs> um, but you know, it's hard. Like SoCal, there's not rinks that close by, so yeah. I travel a lot for my job. So you know, my kid. You know, then for me to go to another rink, kind of, it's, it's a little bit selfish, and, and the traffic sucks. So yeah. I just kind of bite the bullet, and you know, I've, I'm more now like just soccer dad, volleyball. Yeah, dad. yeah. Do you, uh, do you, do you, do you go to many duck games or king games or anything? Do you check things um, out? You know, I kind of, I usually go kind of in the second half, although I went to the duck, ducks game last night. Yeah. Um, uh, and they're, the ducks have been really good to me. You know, if I need tickets or whatever, oh, that's I cool. figure out a way to get me in the building. And the kings are, uh, been cool. I, I can, uh, cause I work in LA. I can usually take clients, so that's uh, not a problem here. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, the Ducks finally turning around a little bit. Boudreau, I thought Boudreau wasn't going to can, but thank God. I know. You know that, I mean, just it's almost like every period of his head getting further and further on the chopping block. But, <laughs> uh, you know, Bob Murray. This may be the best. You know, the best movie he does is not doing anything. Yep. Um, and kind of sticking with the program because I mean they got a good team, and you knew they were going to turn turn around. Yeah. So hopefully they they just suck starting off in a big hole, then you got to dig your way out. Yeah. You uh. Did you think about getting into the media, into things, or even in scouting or into the game? Uh, was it one of those things where you just wanted to just forget about the game? You were, you were. Well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't. I mean, I was at the first, my first year. You know, I was kind of watched games with the you know analytical eye, and uh-huh. like, you know, why why are they doing this? You know, that guy, you know, like a like a former player does. But now I'm like a super fan. It's like I'm a kid again. I just get to enjoy the game a bit. Yeah. Um, and you know, getting involved in hockey would, I certainly wouldn't uh, write it off, but I kind of. Um, I don't know how to put it. Like I just, I, I enjoy the life kind of away from the pressures of the game. As sure. far as, you know, when you're a scout, you're kind of at the whim of somebody above you that mm-hmm. can say, you know what, we're going to go another direction, and then you're just kind of okay. Now what? I got to go find another <laughs> yeah. scouting job. Right. right. Hopefully, there's an opening where I can stay in my area, or you know, like you're kind of limited in your options. Um, or oh, same within broadcasting. You know, I, I thought of that, but then I thought, well, I like living out here. Yeah. And if it's not with the Ducks and not with the Kings, you're kind of like, now what? You know, so it's just 
So if the, the downside is, is too tough, I think. If, the, um, if uh, Brian Hayward or Gihi Bear suffer a, uh, a, a, ter- a ter- terrible injury and you fill in, we'll know what happened. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They slip on a banana peel somewhere. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Well, Hayward. I'll say that job's hard. Like, right. uh, I, I think the color is probably easier than being like the analyst breaking down between mm-hmm. periods because you're those guys are on like a timer. I did one game with Murph actually. Yeah. Uh, for Vancouver, and you got somebody in your ear counting you down how many seconds you have, and you're supposed to get like a thought out, right. a very concise period of time. So there's an art to that. So those guys are uh, are good at what they do. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I, I watch uh, a lot of. I'm a Maple Leaf fan, so I watch Leafs Lunch or I listen to Leafs Lunch, which Jeff O'Neill and McLennan do it. You know, and yeah, like yeah. O'Neill's hilarious, and he breaks kind of a lot of rules of broadcasting. But that's a guy like you with a, a personality. You know, we can tell some funny stories. It, there could be a spot there, but again, you got to you don't want to move from L.A., which I don't blame you. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, never say never. Yeah, uh, but yeah, as it, as it stands right now, it, you know, I'm. Kind of comfortable in the uh, the non hockey uh, life. Right. I'd still be in, you know. I'm, I'm talking hockey with you, kind of. Yeah. You know, I still am in it, sort of, but I can. I'm not. I don't have to bow down to anybody. Like I'm not with any organization, so I can kind of do whatever I want. Right. Or say whatever I want. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, you're uh, looking at your career, reading your book, looking at your career. Um, I remember, like I said, I went to some Moose games. Uh, I'm from Winnipeg, so I would dip in and out here and there, and saw some games. And you were a fast skater. I remember that bigger guy. Um, and it seemed like in reading your book, you found a home with the Ducks, and things were going well. You look at your stats: twenty points in sixty-five games or sixty-two games. Uh, you know, uh, the year before, fourteen points in thirty-nine games. Like third-line guy, you know, center. But then, like once the trade to Pittsburgh happens, you held out. Of course, there's this funny story in there about you holding out <laughs> from the Ducks. Um, once you held out for a little more of a one-way deal, you didn't end up getting it, but you got a bit of a raise. Um, once the trade to Pittsburgh comes, then it's like you could never kind of get going until Columbus. Like it took a little while, right? Am I right? Or, yeah, you know? it was. Uh, I mean, it was kind of frustrating because I thought, like, I, when I got traded from Anaheim, I was playing the best hockey that I played. Like, yeah, I mean, the team we weren't doing great as a team, but I was playing. Uh, my play was, had like started to kind of pick up, uh-huh. and then I get traded to Pittsburgh, and I got there and played pretty good, but I broke my foot. Um, I think it was like five games before the playoffs. Okay. And I was so pumped to actually be in the playoffs. Yeah. So I got traded from Anaheim, which was awful. Um, at least from my wife's standpoint. Yeah, really, right? <laughs> but, yeah, but it was awful. And then I get there, you know, new, you know, that's the thing with these trades is sometimes they work out great for the players, sometimes they don't. Mm-hmm. It's really tough to kind of plug yourself in with a new group of guys. New system, new coaching staff. They don't know you. Yeah. Other than you know, because the GM is the guy that does it, and sometimes, uh, you know, players at my level, they're not going to really consult with the coach. You know, mm-hmm. if, they're, if they're trading like, you know, uh, Ryan Getzlaff, there's going to be a lot of people involved in that trade. Yeah, yeah. But you know, <laughs> Sean Proniger is going to be like, yeah, all right, let's grab him. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, you were traded um, for for uh, Nedved and uh, a bunch of. <laughs> oh no! Coming this way was uh, Patrick Lalim. Oh, Lalim. Uh, okay, Anaheim, yeah. From Anaheim. That's Pittsburgh. right. It was the other trade. Yeah. But then I yeah. get there, and then I, you know, and I you, pretty good. <laughs> you make a point in a, you, you make a sorry to interrupt you. You make a point in the book like getting traded for a goalie is never good because that means there isn't an automatic roster spot open for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I like to break that kind of math down for people that may not right, realize right. this kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Believe me, every player. When they get traded, they're looking to see how many guys from the other team left. Right, right, what, right. Ideally, what you're hoping is, if you're a forward, it's two forwards coming to your team and just you going and a defenseman or a draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Because now you've got two chances to two, make the Two spots up. are open, um, right, exactly. Right, right, yeah. So I get to Pittsburgh. Play, I play good. I mean, it's still kind of an adjustment. But I play pretty good. Break my foot. I missed the last two weeks of the regular season. And I'm doing whatever I can do to, to, to kind of get in the lineup for the playoffs. And I came back too soon. I couldn't. I just couldn't skate like I wanted to, mm-hmm. and that was kind of the lasting impression on the coaching staff. And then I come to training camp the next year, and it just was like they didn't like. It wasn't like they're trying to push me out. They just really never really. I never got in the door where I'm like mm-hmm. part of the group. Right. And then next thing you know, we picked up like two forwards in the waiver draft. And I'm like, um, all right, let me just try to do this math out here. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Somebody, <laughs> 
somebody's got to go. And as I'm like crunching the numbers in my head, uh, hey, Sean, the coach wants to see you. I'm like, oh, yeah. perfect. Well, and it's weird, too. Like, I talked to a guy who played for Constantine, and he says he hates him, couldn't stand him, didn't know anything, he wasn't a good coach, blah, blah, blah. So then I do one of these with Jeff Odgers, um, and he just can't says Kevin Constantine is the greatest coach ever, loved him, you know, and then, so, like, for you, it didn't work out. You maybe didn't fit his style, and it's so random how that works. Like, it, it yeah. it's so random. Yeah, I think for Augers, I think it was uh, early in Constantine's career, right, San Jose, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and so, I don't know, like, I, I, I think he knows the game really well. I think he tried to overcoach a lot of it, though, like, you know, you got the best. Let's say you got DeAndre Yager, Ron Francis, mm-hmm. I mean, you got some really good guys. Let them go play. Like, don't micromanage that. But he wanted guy. He wanted robots out there. So that's why I think he he's still coaching junior. Yeah, now, isn't he? yeah, yes, he, he is. Yeah, yeah. like I, I I thought playing for him for the you know whatever month and a half it was. I'm like, this guy to be a great junior coach. And the reason why I thought he wasn't that great of a um, bench coach in the NHL uh-huh. was. We're at home, okay, so we got Yarmir Yager, one of the best players in the league. Mm-hmm. We're playing against the Montreal Canadiens in the playoffs at home. The Canadians, in order to shut Yager down, they played three. They played Zarly Zalapski at forward, and then they had, <laughs> he was a defenseman, and yeah, they had yeah. 2D. So Zarly Zalapski's a great skater. Yeah. They put him at forward on Yager, basically. Yeah. And then they got 2D, and then who, I don't even know who the forwards were. Uh, the other guys were. And so now we, you know, in Montreal – you know, you can't match lines because they get last change. Yeah. So it's all right. So now we're in Pittsburgh. The Zarly Zalaski line goes out, and he sends out Yager's line. And I'm just like, what are you doing back yeah. there? Like, <laughs> yeah. of all the stuff to overcoach, like, maybe now, why don't you put somebody else out there, free Yager up? Right. Like, I, I just, I was, he's just saying baffled. I mean, maybe he was trying to say, we're not afraid of you guys. But I'm just like, but yeah, I mean, come if, on, man. Zarley could skate, and so the coach probably said, "Do not let, do not move within right. three outside of three feet of Yager." Like, yeah, exactly, yeah, right. If anybody, anybody else on the Pittsburgh team can score, but Yarmir Yager, yeah, like, don't let him beat us. Yeah, and, without and we, and, 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 yeah. without trying to get into more dirt or whatever, but why why did, weren't you a fan of Yager? I mean, again, like you like you said, well, you're a blip on his. I but, shouldn't say, it, not so much a fan, it was just the way he kind of, like he, he probably knew more than I did, like he just kind of dismissed me, like, dude, you're only here for a short time. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, bother. right, right. I'm not even going to bother getting to know you because you're well, one of those guys that kind of comes in and goes away. <laughs> well, but okay, so you're saying that, but then, you know, it, and it, you know, it is true, whatever, he's one of the greatest guys ever, players ever, but then you, the next stop you do the Rangers, you go into detail about Gretzky, and again, you were a scratch for, you were with the team for a long time, but a scratch for a lot of games, and you go into the fact that Gretzky couldn't have been any cooler. Yeah, well, it's just personalities, right? And, and yeah. Gretzky, I mean, getting near the end of his career, Yager, you know, he's got he had the, like, the Czech mafia with him, there's like seven Czechs <laughs> on his first team yeah, and they yeah. all sat together, and so this little—I mean, I'm surprised they didn't have a Czech coach. <laughs> well, they did. They had more Czech they, players than anything. Hey, they did. They got Helinka, remember? At one point. That's right. Yeah, they that's brought right. they brought in Helinka. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, it just was a—I mean, just mm-hmm. the way it was at that time. Um, I'm sure he's a lot different now because now he's, you know, he's away from the mafia. Yeah. <laughs> Do the what I say, yeah. you know what? Yeah, it's not the real mafia. The ma- the 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 media loves him now, like yeah. nowadays. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, but playing with Gretzky, um, you talk about playing. We were on his practice line once, um, but a uh, uh, good guy. He's like a nice, yeah, he was unbelievable, a great guy. Yeah, great guy. Um, yeah, and I mean, he probably didn't even really know I was. I kept like positioning myself so if we get off the bus, I somehow <laughs> end up sitting at his table. Like I was like a fantasy camp stalker. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I'm on this team. I'm gonna. Trying to hang out with Gretzky as much as I can. Uh, it was ridiculous. Like, if he would have thought about it, like, dude, why are you always sitting with him? Right, right. Uh, You're like, like yeah. I'm getting a ride with him to the rookie dinner. <laughs> I just would position myself. Oh, we're just kind of bumbling into the restaurant. Oh, oh hey, Gretz. Yeah, just uh, kind of worked out this way. So, hey, you're like the, and he's telling a story, and you're like, good one, Gretz, good one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like the Edvick man. <laughs> right, or, uh, right, right. Um, uh, hey, but one thing I've always, like, and you talk about this in your book, and I always wonder, and I've heard other guys say this, and I watch 24-7 um, where you can kind of get this vibe too. So you're on the team. You're a member of the team. You're practicing with the guys, everything else. But yet when you're a healthy scratch, you talk about how guys like you don't either 
because of the coaches or maybe it's your own decision, but it's almost like you don't want to be around the guys. And that confuses me. Like, like who cares? Like you talk about going up for the pregame meal after they're all gone. It's like, why does that happen? Why does that matter? Well, I mean, the, well, the pregame meal happens because you're getting your balls skated off. Um, uh, uh, so the so the pregame skate, okay, the skate, and the guys that are playing in order to keep their conditioning up. Okay, so um, they just yeah, uh, just skate. You just on the ice longer, and by the time you get back, so the bus will take the team back, come back, get you, and by the time you get back there, you know you've got like you know some soup left and maybe a Caesar salad, <laughs> and then um, but as far as the locker room, like. It's kind of uh, like, is it good? Did it, yeah, it's just unsaid. It's I don't a, know if it was more. Yeah, right. I don't know if it was more me, but I just felt like you don't want to get catch the coach's eye, like for the wrong thing. Like if they're playing bad, you just want to stay out of the way. Um, you don't want to get in the way. You want to give the coach any reason to like, dude, what are you doing here? Like, get, get the hell, just for the regulars. Yeah, but like, you're like, Randy, <laughs> Randy Carlisle when, got, when I was in Winnipeg, and uh, guys were hurt, and they'd be floating around in the training room. And you're like, hey, hey. This is for the regulars. You guys get out of here. Really? Uh, really? Yeah. I don't. Well, it, it was more I don't like get you that. Know, guys messing around. Like it's not like if you sat there and just you're. You know, I mean, they don't want you in there. Listen. I mean, I don't. I don't know. They just yeah, but, want the team to focus on who's there. It's it's very bizarre for me in a world like I live in a normal world, not the hockey world, right? Yeah. And it's like so. Imagine with your job now, you got Bob, and like Bob is in a different department than your department, and you're just like beat it, Bob. Don't come around here. Like, like I don't get that. I just don't understand that, like, that mentality. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're on the team. Uh, you know, you, you know. Well, I wonder if it's maybe they don't want you to get so comfortable in the fact that you're not playing. Like, you yeah. should be on edge. Okay. You know, because that's how all these coaches, that's all my, there's a lot of mind games going on. Right. They don't want you to, they want you to get angry. They want you to kind of do something, you know, feel a responsibility to do something to get in the lineup. And, you know, a lot, and a lot of times, guys, and it's sad, but it's just the way it is, like, well, almost wished ill of their teammates because, like, I need to get in the lineup. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, I talk about the book, like, it's either you're getting in because someone plays bad or someone gets hurt. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right, right, yeah. I mean, or unless you're, unless you're hurt, come back from injury, but if you're a scratch and the coach says, okay, we, I feel we're going to have a better chance to win with you not playing tonight, <laughs> in order for you to get back into the game, not all of a sudden are you going to be the difference maker that they need to get back in the lineup. It's like, okay, well, somebody else played it bad, or somebody got hurt. Yeah, that's the way you get back in. So it's it's kind of a tricky situation. So they don't want guys floating around the locker room, kind of maybe causing. I mean, no one's getting really caused. Yeah, yeah, like that's that, what I mean. But, like you saw, you know, there's like, that you know. vibe. There's that vibe that they just want to like, dude. I want you to stay on edge. You want to you want to come in the locker room? Well, get back in the lineup. Figure out a way to get back in the lineup and become. I back. guess it's not like you who scratch for the Rangers are going to go into the room with a stick and start wailing on a guy's knees so that you can. I mean, like you know, you're, these are all your buddies. Obviously, you want to play, you know. But I don't know. I don't get that part of it. Yeah. Like where it's like, hey, don't even be seen. Don't be heard. Don't just go away. Yeah. You don't want to be a distraction. Like that's one of the like because. You know, guys get goofy. They get sitting out. You know, who knows? They're going to talk to, sit down and talk to the guy and like, hey, all these girls in the stands. You know, maybe you want to go to here after the, after the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. They right, don't want right, to right. have any outside. Everybody's got that isn't the lineup is focused on the game. People that aren't in the lineup could be focused on other things. So, and when yeah. you and when you're like a guy with a healthy scratch too, like I know, like Jeff O'Neill and McLennan have talked about, like. Some of those guys want to be heroes in the practices, and the other the vets yeah. are like, "Hey, calm down" or something. <laughs> well, that's the other thing. Like the practices now, if you're a scratch, the practices are your games. That's where you can look show because you got to show something. Yeah, you can't like just take it lying down, and just kind of go through the motions in practice. You got to like bust your ass and show the coach, "Hey, I want to play." Mm-hmm. So uh, there's no other way for me to show you because you won't let me, you're not letting me play in the real game. So right. these are my new games. And, like, for a guy like yourself, I mean, you know, you're a younger guy and, like, you had talent, you had some skills. How hard is it to just not – I mean, I guess you're making money because you're in the NHL, right? You're making good money. You're you're flying first class. You're whatever. You've got the perks of it, but you're not playing. How tough is that? Or or a guy like you, maybe I can imagine you, you're like, this is better than being in Knoxville. Uh, I don't know. What's the attitude like? Yeah, well, you know what? It was just hard. It was hard for at least for me, and probably for guys that are on short-term contracts. It's hard to enjoy it because you get a taste of it, and you don't want to lose it. Yeah, you're yeah. Constantly scared of like losing your spot. Right. Constantly, so you never really get to. You never relax. You never like, hey, I'm in the NHL. This is awesome. I'm making great money. 
but yeah, you're on a one-year deal, and if you don't start playing, that you're done. Like yeah. you're not going to get another contract. So you're constantly worried about yeah. each game could be your last, and you just don't want to lose it, and so you play scared, and that and it sucks. Well, yeah, that's what you have to play scared like that. Well, yeah, because you can't let. I mean, because you know, like one mistake in the D zone, and you're sitting for the game or whatever. Right, like literally, you're one mistake. You're on the bench next to you on the lineup. Next to you know you're on a bus to you know. Yeah. Name that AHL city. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, And then there's a there's a part in the book where you go in to see Muckler to ask him like, what can you do? Like, how do you get in this lineup? And he starts talking about the mid '80s Oilers or something. Oh my! I could still see him sitting his feet up on his desk. It took every ounce of courage I had to go into that law into right. that office. I right. just was like, I should just not go in here. I'm like, you know what? I want to play. I want to play here. What do I got to do? And I'm like, I'm sure you're just like, ah, oh, if you tell this kid whatever. He, you know, yeah, yeah. Like, right. I'm gonna just misinform this kid. Maybe he'll just leave me alone. <laughs> so yeah, he's like. Goes into like how players of this day and age don't give and go anymore. Back in the eighties, give and go and trade a two on one. And it's like, what? So like, you want how me to give, helping me get the lineup? You want me to give and go with Grants in practice? Is that what you want me right, to do? Right, exactly. And then I come. I never forget. I come out of the because I talked to um, Craig Tavish, who's assistant coach yeah. at the time. I, t- I talked to him before about going in there. So then he sees me walk out, and uh, I go, well. He's like, he's like, so promise how to go. I'm like, I don't know, Mac T. Uh, all I know is you guys had quite the team in the '80s. I'll tell you that. <laughs> you guys are phenomenal. And then I'll be, yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll be up in the press box if you need me. Um, yeah, exactly. Uh, but the, uh, hey, you really love playing in Manitoba, my hometown, Winnipeg. You, uh, yeah, and like you know, yeah. some of the, um, of course, Heisinger, the GM, then is now the uh, assistant GM, and. There and uh, Chipman is the owner of the Moose, is the owner of the Jets, and so um, you loved it there. You just thought you had a good time. You put up good numbers. It was a fun time. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, I that resurrected my career for the. I mean, for the ninth time, I guess. Because <laughs> look at my stats, but when I got traded there uh, from Providence, yeah, you know, I was kind of like in probably in the bottom. You know, it, it as one of the lower points of my career, and uh, got traded to Winnipeg, and just kind of reignited my passion for the game because. You know, I'm near my hometown. It's like mm-hmm. hockey weather. They treat you like an NHL. You know, it was the Moose, but they treat you like you were the Jets. Yeah, yeah, that was the big, big show in town, and it was just great to be able to play in Canada. Uh, and so I really enjoyed it. And then had the chance to go back again, which is a completely different situation because different coach and different yeah. league. It was. In, I went there. It was in the eye, and then came back again. It was in the American leagues, and the team was a lot younger. But just love the way that they treat people. I, Zinger, I've got all the time to roll for him and Chipman. They're two of the greatest hockey people and just great people in general. So I, I uh, you know, have nothing but great things to say and great memories of uh, Winnipeg. 78 games for Columbus, too. Full time that time. Full year. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, that was fun, too. That was, that was a great bunch of guys. Like, we were, you know, everybody was pretty much cast off from other teams who yep. an expansion draft. And um, it, was, it was funny. We had, like, real cast of characters, but it was funny. The one year, I think that was the year where we um, we had a really good record at home. Like, okay, we, we were like nine and thirty on the road, <laughs> nine thirty and two on the road, and whatever we were at yeah, home yeah. was like above five hundred. And uh, you know, teams would come in like you know, good teams at the time, like the Blues or the Sharks, would come in and we'd beat them. <laughs> and then they'd have you know, they would have a team meeting after the game because we just lost <laughs> the Columbus Jets, right? So what I think it was Jeff Sanderson cool. going. You know what, guys? We should put a boardroom, a board table in there. They can sit around the board table after they lose. We can all sit around and figure out what we're going Have a sign. This is where you have your closed-door meetings, your players-only meeting, right, right in exactly. here, guys. Right. After you lose to the 9-30 and 30 Blue Jackets, this is where you're going to have your meeting. Uh, yeah, Jeff Sanderson was on that team. Um, was Tug- Ray Whitney was on that team. Ray Whitney. Whitney was on that team. Yeah. Yeah, some good players. Um, and then yeah. uh, wasn't uh, – did they have the cannon then? Was the cannon there? Uh, well, they, sh- they, sh- they shot the cannon off. Deneen played for a little bit. I yeah, think. Deneen. I played with Deneen. I played with uh, Rick Nash, who was uh, just 18 years old. Coming right. League when I played there. Um, um, yeah, they had the cannon that they shot off when they scored all the time. I don't know if they yeah, had I'm that. To think, I, you know what? <laughs> you think I remember that? Right. I, don't, I never scored a lot of goals, but you think, uh, you know, I scored a couple there. So yeah. Nice. Um, you should remember that. Doug McLean, of course, he's very popular in the media up here on Sportsnet. We see him all the time. He was, I mean, geez, he was the president, the GM, the coach. Uh, how'd you get along with him? And and I, I, you probably don't get to see much of his deal up here. Um, 
you know, as much as you, you'd like to see him on TV, but what do you think when you see him on TV or hear that he's in media now? Well, he does a great job. He's a, and he is a character. Like he's is he? Yeah. Where he should be. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's a heck of a salesman to be able to talk himself into that job at Columbus. <laughs> um, I, mean, I mean, he's a good hockey guy. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, to be, you know, have nine titles on his name. And uh, yeah. I always like, I like guys that are honest and Doug was always honest with me. I certainly didn't like everything he had to tell me, right. but was very uh, straightforward and upfront, which is all a guy like, you know, guys in my position, all we ask for is like, just don't, yeah. just tell us the truth. You know, we're grown men, or at least some of us are. Uh, <laughs> you we, you know, we, it may suck, but at least we know where we stand. Yeah. Brian Burke's the same way. He, you know, he tells it like it is, which I, you know, I love the guy. Um, but yeah, Doug McClain, a hilarious guy. And, you know, <laughs> you know, I think at one point there was seven got members of the Columbus Blue Jackets, whether management office mm-hmm. coaching yeah, yeah. Um, or players seven members seven members of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization that were from Prince Edward Island where he's from. Shock, yeah shocking I mean, shocking right <laughs> yeah I mean, like me getting, I mean, like me getting to become a GM and hiring all my buddies all your Dryden all your Dryden Ontario buddies yeah, yeah. The, Dryden, the Dryden boys alright guys uh, we're taking over this NFL. <laughs> Um, and then also too, uh, he's funny because like on he makes fun of his draft record. He's, he'll bust his own balls about. Remember the was it Filatov fifth overall I think. Um, yeah, the, and Zerdov was like Zerdov. That's it, Zerdov. Yeah, yeah and he, he'll just yeah. yeah he'll just make fun of himself. Like what was I thinking? I drafted well, Zerdov. I mean, that pays the bills now. I mean he might as well. He's got nothing to lose. He yeah. I mean I don't think he's looking to get another gig anywhere because yeah. uh, he's got a pretty sweet gig that, that he has right now. So you're you're frustrated with Syracuse for not making Columbus. You get a trade to back to the Moose, which is now, like you said, part of the A and part of Vancouver. You get in some games with the Canucks, and one of the things you talk about in your book was the Todd Bertuzzi, Steve Moore, you played that game. I, mean, that, that I thing, was on the pile. I was on the ice for that incident. Yeah, and... It's you know that's still going on in the courts I think or maybe they settled but it's something I think they settled uh, they settled the one before yeah yeah and you know like you wrote in your book like there's not some grand conspiracy about hey like they'd already played a game since Steve Moore uh, hurt Naslin they already played a game this was a game that was out of hand the score was whatever it was and you said there's not some grand conspiracy it's kind of the rules of the game and you had tried to get you yourself had tried to get uh more to to go and it's like one of these unwritten rules of the game sort of things that that just happened and, and you know you don't make any apologies for it in your book you kind of just explain that this is how it is and Todd didn't mean to do that but you know something was going to yeah. have to happen yeah i think it was just a bad situation all the way around um you know, it probably should have been dealt with immediately, but then it festers, and then, right. you know, and it was just, you know, that game was a big game. I mean, I think I've, going, I've gone into this many times uh, on different shows, but, like, that was a big game for both teams, mm-hmm. and especially the Canucks, because uh, if you recall the year before, the Canucks, I think, lost one of the last regular season games of the year to lose home ice, and then lost in the first round. So it was another battle for a division with the Avalanche, and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the game, the two points meant more than getting any retribution, but yeah. it was five nothing after the first period. Right. And things were starting to uh, percolate. Out of hand. And then, <laughs> right. Yeah, it was just like, oh, God. And then, um, you know, I'm sure Bertuzzi, you know, in a split second, it was a split second decision and just in one that he probably regrets, you know, yeah. for the rest of his life because that was, he's certainly not like that at all. I mean, he played hard and stuff, but he's mm-hmm. not that kind of player. And uh, it was, yeah, just a just a shitty, I mean, it's oh, shitty all the way around. Yeah, right? for everybody. Yeah, for both teams, for Steve Moore, for Todd Bertuzzi, everything, you know. But like you yeah. said in the book, like, like it just had to happen. Not, not that bad, don't get me wrong. That, he didn't have, you know, Steve Moore didn't need to be out of the game forever, but the way hockey is, and, and all of us on the couch may not like it, we may not, you know, the media and, and us fans may talk about it, but there's a lot of things that go on on the ice and in the rooms that have built, been built over a hundred years of the game that make these things happen. Yeah, and I think it's kind of you know we're talking 11 years ago, which is you know a different era. Mm-hmm. You know, 11 years ago was a different era from the 90s or the 80s and 70s. Yeah. Um, so nowadays, you know, there's going to be as much bad blood between people right. as there yeah. as there has been, and maybe there's just because more. I don't want to say more respect, but just the way the game is, there isn't that kind of. Yeah. physical, angry type stuff, but, you know, it just, you're, you're, I don't know, I might be old school, I don't know if I'm speaking out of turn, but it's just, it's just, like, you don't take advantage of players and not expect to have something. It's one thing, you know what, you want to run, run over one of the best players in the league, you have every right and 
even if it was a clean check, which it was borderline, like nowadays it would be suspension. Yeah. Because he hit him directly with his, in the head. But, yeah. um, you know, even if he hits him clean, you still can't have a guy like that hitting a guy like Marcus Naslin. Mm-hmm. And, if, you know, if it just would have – if someone would have done something right, right then, it may have been over with. But yeah. just kind of, you know, now everybody's watching and then something like that happens. It's just awful. And, you know, I obviously feel horrible for – Steve Moore and his family, because that's uh, yeah. you know he certainly didn't deserve that to happen. To him, that's for sure. One of the things that drives me crazy as a guy on the couch watching the game is a clean hit by a guy, and then you just get jumped, right? I just it drives me nuts. But then, like I had Audrey's on the show, and I told him that I said, "Dude, why do you guys do that? Like, it's a clean hit, hitting's in the game." And then he's just like, "Well, you don't want that guy thinking he can keep just running, you know, keep right. knocking our guys out." And I'm like, "But it's clean." And he goes, "Yep." Yeah, I know, but still, you don't want that you want guy. guy you, you want that. You want that guy to think twice about it because he's gonna have to right, think, say, right. "Do I really want to go hit that guy?" Because I know Jeff Auger is gonna come over and beat me up. Right, so maybe right. I'll just hit him a little bit. I won't try to kill him. That's kind of what he said. Yeah, hit him. Well, yeah, that's exa- I mean that's exactly it. Because you don't you don't want guys feeling like wheeling or especially now like there's no holding up anymore. So guys can just freewheel around and just crush guys. Mm-hmm. So do you want like Sidney Crosby getting lined up, or you know, well, veterans probably too big to hit. Yeah, but, you, yeah, know, you want yeah, guys like yeah. that just getting demolished by like fourth line grinders. Yeah, they yeah. even know there's a puck out there. You want those guys to realize, <laughs> like, realize like, okay, if I do this, I am prepared to pay yeah, consequences. Yeah. That's what you want in the back of their mind. And then if they go do that, well, then that takes courage too. Yeah, I guess I just I just I don't yeah. get it as a fan, but I well, get I well, get you it. Would, yeah, you, yeah. Wouldn't, you wouldn't get it if you were on the ice and realized like you need your skill guys to be able to play comfortably out there. Yeah, and yeah. not have to worry yeah. about guys running taking their head off. Um, years ago, I wanted to become a mechanic in the dirt bike racing world, and so I got I got a job in Germany, and I hated it. And much like you, I didn't last long. Um, <laughs> I, I couldn't I just couldn't stand the town I was in. I was over down by. Um, uh, Stuttgart somewhere down there and I hated it and you why didn't you get a job with the Swiss League where you get a car an apartment instead you got Frankfurt and you're in some old beat down house and yeah not good well, yeah first of all well, first of all the Swiss League is a uh, is, uh, skill league so doubtful if I've been able to contribute there but uh, I did get a I did get a car and a house uh, mind you it was a dump. Yeah, uh, when I got yeah. there, and I swear to God, the coach and the GM they dropped me, dropped us off. Like, you know, my family—I got a six-month-old and a two-and-a-half-year-old, and they drop us off this place. I—it's uh, the first time they've seen it too. And we yeah. walk in there, there's garbage <laughs> still in the garbage cans, and I'm like, oh my God, there's exposed wires. Yes, there's two cribs. There's one. So now my daughter, who's two and a half, who's never been out of a crib is now in a new country with a seven-hour time change yeah. in a new room, now in a real bed. It was a – oh, my God, it was a disaster. Oh, <laughs> man, yeah, it didn't work out. Like, yeah. No, was, no, that's, that's I, a polite way And, dude, it. Germany is so depressing in the winter, too. It's just a, cl- a permanent cloud cover over the whole country, oh, it seems yeah. like. We were right near the Black Forest, and my son, who was, you know, six months, yeah. was sick, I swear, for like eight of nine months. Yeah, Jesus. Sick. Um, yeah. Well, hey, Sean, uh, Sean Pronger on the Paul Pocky Podcast Show. You got a little more time, or you got to run? Or Yeah. No, I got a couple more minutes. Okay. All right. I just wanted to uh, just talk a little bit more about your brother, if we can. Uh, Hall of Famer. Um, I, who, who can forget those uh, Arizona Coyote days? Who can forget those days? It was fantastic. I look back at those Coyote days fondly. Oh, he was such a player. He was such a, such a warrior for the Coyotes all those years. Um, it was weird, though. It is weird to see a guy. He's still on the, you know, obviously his contract was traded to Phoenix to, for them to meet the floor. And, uh, you know, he's still not active. He's retired, but getting money. And he works for the NHL in the player safety division. But, of course, he's a Hall of Famer. I don't know. It was just weird. <laughs> it's weird. I lo- you know what's so funny? I love it when people say, does it really matter? Like, people love to hate my brother, and I get it. Mm-hmm. But does it really matter? I mean, is he? The question is, does he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Of course. Yes, he does. Yeah. Right. So everything else, can, whatever you want to argue about. Oh, he's, you know, he's getting paid by the NHL. He's getting paid by the Coyotes. You know, he's going to be giving the Coyotes favorable rulings. It's like really, oh, everybody yeah. that works yeah. in the NHL came from somewhere. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, they all got, yeah. Everybody's got affiliations with somebody or something. Yeah. So no. it's like I love listening to people complain about that. It's like it's so funny to me. Um, yeah, I wasn't really complaining. Don't get me wrong. I was just saying it's uh, weird. I, I, yeah. Whatever, man. Whatever. I'm not judging. 
<laughs> hey, you know what? Uh, it, getting him on the uh, on the player safety thing, it's like getting like it's like hiring like a jewel thief to 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 safeguard your business. Like the guy knows, he knows what right. you're trying you to know, do. Right, like the FBI, and they hire usually hire the best actors. Right? Yeah. Hire the, yeah, right. Well, I think it's well. Yes, like obviously he knows where he knows uh, kind of where the lines are. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think you need. A, I think I honestly, and I think you need. A, I mean, he's a great hockey mind, so mm-hmm. just having him involved in the game is a benefit. I think to everybody, but in that role, uh, just having another voice on the from the other side mm-hmm. might be kind of helpful for uh, like the whole group. Yeah. Now, if it was just him making the calls by himself without talking to anybody, then maybe that might be an issue. But yeah. he's giving his opinion, and then. The group gives their opinion, and then Cantel makes his decision. Yeah, Cantel's the, Cantel's the big boss, yeah. right? Like he was Shanahan. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, does he like it? Does he enjoy it? Is it? A, yeah, I think. Yeah? He, I mean, he obviously. I think he would like to um, be more involved with the team. I think, and I think that's kind of down the road. Down the road, yeah. To, yep. Um, you know, it's, you know, this keeps him in the game, keeps him kind of current, and then uh, at some point, if there's openings that open up in certain areas that he would be interested in going to then uh, that's definitely a possibility. Um, how weird is it to have an, a brother? I mean, he won the Hart Trophy. He won the Norris Trophy in one year. He's a Hall of Famer. And the guy, I mean, literally, like, you know, you used to brawl with him. You talk about it in your book. And is it weird to have a brother that was just so amazing at the game? Is it? No, you know what? It's, uh, like, what's it I mean, like? It is, it's awesome. Like, it's, uh, you know, if you can imagine, you know, playing with your buddies, you know, street hockey right. or whatever, pick your, pick your sport, you yeah. know, Sandlot baseball. Right. And then you grow up with these guys, and then one of you actually makes it to the Mount Everest of hockey and sure. is in the Hall of Fame. It's like you've got to see the progress. Like, you've got to behind-the-scenes look at this player, this person, go from there to there, and you were, evolved, you were kind of around for the whole thing. And it just it's yeah. a thrill, really. You know, everybody kind of like, dude, aren't you jealous? I'm like, you know, yeah. I'd be jealous if he was marginally better than me. But when you've got a, <laughs> somebody that's so good at that, that plays at that level, mm-hmm. it's not like, it's just like admiration. Like, how, how do you play at that level for that long? You know, because right. just, I can appreciate it because I've actually been on the same ice. Yeah, absolutely. So I get how hard it is. And the fact that he makes it look so easy is remarkable. And uh, yeah, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm jealous of how he play. I mean, I wish he could play like that. Yeah, but not jealous like of all the accolades and all that stuff that he's gotten. And and, you, and, I, and I know you probably get tired of talking about him, but one more question. Just give, just humor me. Um, was he always really, really good? Like, was he always so much better than everybody in Dryden and growing up? And like, did you see this at some point, or was it just some well, leap he took? He, he, he was always really good. But, okay. You know, we grew up in a small town. You don't know, you know, you don't know the, um, what to compare him to. Mm-hmm. It's like, we don't, I mean, he's just good here. So we're, yep. we're assuming there's really good players in every other corner of the country. Um, because, but he's really good in our, in our town. Okay. Um, yeah. And then he, he just was able to kind of keep never any, you know, like he always had the skill and he always had that kind of stubborn will that you have as, as a kid. Mm-hmm. You're just very willful. Well, he was able to, keep that like most of us you just kind of give up like oh what's the point you know he just always kept that <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of stubborn will and t- carried it into the game and then never let go of it and carried like literally carried it through his whole career um someone put it really gr- like put it great like he's got the skill and the will and he, that's why he's such a great player um but yeah no he was he was he, always really good but yep. we just never had a the barometer because like, there's no one else that, in our town like oh he was like Brian Leach, at, you know, but we had no idea because we never played with Brian Leach. He was like, you know, <laughs> right, right. like Larry Robinson, you know, it's like, well, I don't, have, yeah. I don't know how would I know that because we're in you know, a small town in Dryden. We're in Dryden in the woods, literally. Um, exactly. Like, yeah. it could be a women's hockey player better than him in Ignace or something. Yeah. You know, we don't know. We were like, well, he's got a good shot and his passes always hit my stick, but I don't know. Yeah. Like, <laughs> right. um, did you, was there any moment that he did that you were like, ooh, you went too far there, Chris? Was there a moment where you were like... Oh, all the time. No, no, we, we battle. I mean, he, uh, we play outdoor on the, on the outdoor rink. Mm-hmm. You know, I was bigger than him and probably better than him at the time, but he was such a stubborn little old man that you know, I would <laughs> go, I'd go around him and you know, kind of laugh as I'm going around him, go and, in, score, come back, and you know, come around him again, go around him again, and all of a sudden get a two-hander 
to the calves. <laughs> but I, you know, I'm in my ski pants. Yeah, so yeah, got, yeah. I'm getting a wood stick. Right. Whack. Down I go, and now I am fuming. And I look. <laughs> he sees me get up, and he races out the uh, out of the rink and skates home. We live a block and a half away, and the roads <laughs> yeah. so cold. Like the roads are got packed snow. Yeah. He skated all the way home. <laughs> and hey, how? And, locked me out, and then he locked me out. He locked me out of the house. <laughs> of the house. So now it's freezing out there. I'm in my skates. He's got me locked out. He's giving me the finger from behind the door. Oh, so I Jesus. punched the window of the door and right. it breaks. So now I'm getting shit. <laughs> did, and hey, how old did the chirps get? Uh, you're not. You're no Chris. You're no Chris. Oh, yeah, like, those are funny. You know, the funny part is when I get, I'm in the, Ameri- like in the American League and the linesman. We'll be like, all right, Chris, drop the, drop the puck. All right, Chris, put your stick down. I'm like, dude, what league do you think you're in? Because right? I know I'm in the American League. You think you're in the NFL? You know, like, First of all, I'm a forward. I'm a forward. I take face-offs. Chris does not take face-offs. Yeah. <laughs> oh. yeah. No, it's funny. Uh, I, you know what? Never actually got much. Right? I mean, I heard like Christy, Christy once in a while, but not as much as probably I would have used it if it was the other way around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. really, right? I just, yeah, yeah. I could I could see a guy like you being like, yeah, good one, bud. Never heard that before. Yeah. yeah. Right, that's, yeah, well, that, I think I actually, quote, unquote, did say that a few times like that. Really, that's the best you got, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, uh, I've been there, done that. Um, well, hey, thanks. Uh, thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, man. Uh, I know we've been. Yeah, no, I'm glad we could uh, finally connect. Yeah, yeah, you're a, you're a busy guy. I got a real job that pays bills and stuff. So. <laughs> you're jet setting to Europe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We a very small. We have a very small window to get uh, yeah. done. Yeah, as we talk about Europe, is so glamorous. It's just incredible. I was, <laughs> I was in Bulgaria wondering what the hell am I doing here. Um, uh, but thank you for uh, for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Two under the number two undr dot com Ferraro twenty saves you uh, money uh, with the best men's underwear out there. And uh, and we thank uh, thank you guys for listening. And and again, thank you Sean Pronger for uh, for coming on the show, man. Great book, Journeyman. People check it out. Uh, and there you go. You'll probably probably get at least three or four copies like i said so i'm i will call my uh financial advisor and accountant <laughs> and tell him to prepare the paperwork uh for the incoming wire. yes exactly all right thanks <laughs> thanks man thank you all right thank you thanks. all right have a good day